Thank you for joining us for another informative, educational, and entertaining edition of Music and Medicine with Dr. Charles Modlin, kidney transplant surgeon, board-certified urologist, public speaker, and well-known community national leader for the elimination of health disparities, dedicated to informing you, the listening audience, about important health topics and health information that you, your family, and your community need to know while at the same time providing you with quality entertainment because music and entertainment is medicine. Dr. Marlin's co-hosts are Jerome Brown and registered nurse Jonathan Branch. And the program often includes special content expert guests. So, without further ado, here is the host of the show, Dr. Charles Marlin. Hello, everybody out there in the viewing audience. Thanks for tuning in for another exciting and informational episode of Music and Medicine. I'd like to thank Mr. William Reed for that wonderful introduction. Uh, we're so appreciative to be here with you this evening. We have a very special show. Our topic this evening is going to be on kidney disease and chronic kidney disease and kidney transplantation. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by um, so two of my kidney transplant uh, recipients, um, Mr. Levance Lining and Mr. Ray Freeman. Um, and Levance Lining is going to be our entertainer also. He doubles not only as a kidney transplant recipient, but as what he calls himself a the clean comedian. So um, look, you know, we look forward to, um, you know, having a wonderful program this evening. And I wanted to start out by uh, alerting everybody to the fact that we have our Metro Health Minority Men's Health Fair uh, coming up at just right around the corner, Thursday, April the 27th. That's the last Thursday in April. It's a free health fair open to everybody, uh, regardless of race or ethnicity or gender. Um, but what we're doing, we're trying to specifically reach men of color because men of color have the highest incidence of health care disparities and the lowest life expectancy out of any group in the entire nation. So Thursday, April the 27th, that's the free Metro Health Minority Men's Health Fair. We're going to hold this health fair in three simultaneous locations at the Metro Health Main Campus on West 25th Street. We're going to be at uh, this year also at the Ohio City Camp Campus, and we're going to be at the Cleveland Heights Metro Health Campus. It's all free. The information to pre-register and the phone number to pre-register is on the banner on the screen, or you can just show up on the day of the event. Uh, between the hours of 5 and 8.30 p.m. and register on location. I want to remind everybody, um, my book is, it's out, it's available. It's called, It Isn't Difficult to Do It If You Know How to Do It. Um, it's, a, it's a book um, specifically dedicated to advancing the success opportunities for our younger generation. We, the older generation, have an obligation to impart upon the younger generation our skills uh, our wisdom, our knowledge, our advice, our guidance to help their success journey um, perhaps be somewhat um, less difficult, arduous uh, than what we experienced uh, growing up. So I encourage people to get the book. It isn't difficult to do it if you know how to do it. It's available on Barnes & Noble online and also Amazon online. Why am I wearing my Northwestern apparel this evening? It's because Northwestern, the Northwestern basketball team was selected to uh, compete in the NCAA March Madness basketball tournament. It's the only, the second time ever uh, that Northwestern has made it into the NCAA um, March Madness tournament. So I actually will make a prediction that Northwestern will be the national champion of the March Madness basketball tournament this year. I'm confident about that. So go Wildcats. I don't know if that, that show. okay, yeah, Wildcats, Northwestern Wildcats. They're going to be number one this year. So I wanted to go ahead and kind of set the stage for our topic of discussion, which is kidney disease, kidney failure, and kidney transplantation. So Russell, if I can um, have the, the slides. Um, so that is on the screen is a picture of me when I first um, arrived at Cleveland Clinic as a kidney transplant fellow. You can see how young I look. So I show this picture just to show how long I have been in this, this uh, field of uh, urology and, and kidney transplantation. Um, I actually I was the first um, 
and only African-American kidney uh, transplant surgeon in the history of uh, Cleveland Clinic. And I was the first staff urologist in the history of Cleveland Clinic as well. Um, just means we need to encourage uh, others, um, young people to pursue urology and kidney transplantation. And again, that's one of my roles and responsibilities uh, to do that. Next slide. So we're gonna be talking about kidney transplantation and I hope nobody has any uh, queasy stomach, but I'm gonna show you um, some um, pictures uh, of what a kidney transplant looks like. We call it a kidney allograft. Um, that, that's a picture I'm, with my left hand, I'm holding uh, a kidney allograft. That's from a uh, deceased donor. Um, you can get a kidney transplant from either a deceased donor or a living donor. Next slide. And you can really see what, how generally, uh, what is the size of a kidney in, in relationship uh, to my hands? That gives you a perspective in terms of what the size is of a normal kidney. Uh, next slide, I'm wearing a, the school colors of my son. He went to Texas Tech. Again, another slide, I'm, I'm uh, preparing a kidney prior to us implanting uh, the kidney into the recipient. Next slide. So again, that, that's a picture showing the vein. The larger structure there is the, we call it the renal vein, kidney vein, and the smaller structure is the kidney artery. Next slide. And again, just another uh, picture of me um, holding a kidney. Next slide. So let me give you a, a little, some facts about um, kidney disease. ESRD stands for end-stage renal disease. Renal just means kidney. Uh, it's a more of a problem in the African-American, the black communities, uh, uh, com compared to the Caucasian American communities. In fact, um, chronic kidney disease, kidney failure is four times uh, greater, has a four times greater incidence uh, in blacks versus whites. The leading causes of kidney disease and kidney failure in African-Americans is hypertension and diabetes or a combination of both. Uh, next slide. So this is just a slide um, detailing the fact that there is a greater, and I, I'm not sure if you can actually read all, all the details. I'm not going to go over every detail in, in the slide, but it just basically uh, depicts the fact that there's over 110,000 individuals uh, on the national uh, kidney transplant waiting list. And African-Americans are overrepresented in terms of needing kidney transplants. We, we only represent about 12, 13% of the U.S. population yet we represent up, upwards of 35% of the individuals on the kidney transplant waiting list. Um, and so that is a remarkable disparity that we need to, to address that needs to be addressed. Next slide. So as I said, um, we're only 12% of the population. We represent up to 34, 35% of the population in need of a kidney transplant. We wait longer to receive a kidney transplant. After kidney transplantation, we have a higher incidence of uh, rejection. Next slide. So this is just um, a, a, a graph, a, a chart um, <clears throat> indicating how many Caucasians, Blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and others are awaiting kidney transplantation in relationship to the percentage um, that they represent in the population. And you can see African-Americans, as, as I indicated, uh, are in much greater need of kidney transplantation compared to uh, the percentage that we occupy in the, in the uh, population. Uh, next slide. So the there are different ways to address uh, kidney failure, uh, and we're gonna talk about kidney transplantation, but the best way to go about um, uh, kid, uh, addressing kidney disease is to try to prevent the onset of kidney disease in the first place. Next slide, and the, and the best way to do that is through uh, controlling and, and treating high blood pressure and diabetes and trying to prevent uh, high blood, blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. So this is just a, a study that we performed at Cleveland Clinic uh, showing that if African-Americans are, are, are fortunate enough to have a living donor, um, the graft survival, that kidney will survive just as long as it does in, in Caucasian-Americans. But if African-Americans receive deceased donor kidneys, there is a lower graft survival or rate of survival of that kidney transplant uh, compared to their white counterparts at all time points. Next slide. So the, the take home message for that is that we need to um, be more aggressive in trying to identify living donor transplants for African-Americans whenever possible. Next slide. So this is just a cartoon graphic in, in terms of where 
um, transplant surgeons place uh, the kidney down in, in the pelvis. Your original kidneys are higher up uh, on the slide. We generally do not remove those kidneys, and then but we place the new kidney uh, lower down in the pelvic area. Uh, next slide. So we'll just flip through these slides. So these are this is just a typical picture of a kidney uh, in the, that we're preparing uh, prior to transplantation. You see the artery, the vein, the ureter. Next slide. Uh, next slide. That's just a picture of it having been implanted into the recipient. So uh, next slide. And so we can skip that. So there there are various ways in which to um, increase the pool of available uh, organs or potential pool for organs available for for transplantation. There, as I said, are over 110,000 awaiting a kidney transplant. Uh, however, yearly, and this hasn't really changed dramatically, there, there's approximately only 25,000 kidney transplants performed a year. So you can see that the number of people needing a transplant far outweighs the supply of, of organs available for transplantation. And again, that just underscores the fact that we need to get more living donors. We need more people to sign their organ donor cards. Um, so then there's, there's other surgical techniques that uh, surgeons use to uh, preserve or, or reduce the discard rate of deceased donor kidneys. And this is just a book, and, and I'm sure everybody in the audience wants to run out and, and, and read this uh, chapter that I, that I wrote in this particular uh, surgical textbook. Uh, on ways to expand the organ donor pool. Um, next slide. Um, again, we're just going to flip through these. These are just different different ways to re reconstruct kidneys with multiple vessels in the side. Next slide. Um, you can conjoin these uh, two arteries together. Next slide. Th that's a picture of those two arteries that I joined together in preparation for the transplant. Next slide. Uh, next slide. Just another uh, example. And okay, and this is a kidney with multiple arteries. Not every transplant center will be aggressive enough to try to uh, implant kidneys with multiple arteries. But at Cleveland Clinic, um, um, over the years when I was there, we, we imported a lot of kidneys and I transplanted a number of kidneys with multiple arteries. Next slide. Um, we can skip that. I will actually at some point do a whole dedicated uh, program on music and medicine um, related to surgical uh, renal transplantation. Unfortunately, there are situations where children, adolescents um, will pass away and we're grateful to the families when they consent uh, to allow the uh, transplant center to utilize those kidneys, procure those kidneys to help save uh, another person's life. Uh, these are kidneys, two small kidneys from a, sm a small child. Next slide. And this is this is uh, those are the same kidneys that are reconstructed. You can see how diminutive the, those kidneys are compared to the size of my my fingers, my my hands. Next slide. Those kidneys, when we implant them, that's what they look like in, when implanted down into the uh, the pelvic area. Those kidneys will hypertrophy and grow to about eighty percent of the size of adult kidneys. Next slide. Over several months. So next slide. That's just what those kidneys look like after having been implanted. So. All right, so no, that, that's uh, what I wanted to show the audience. And again, we're going to have uh, an opportunity uh, later on um, during this um, March uh, National Kidney Health Month uh, to go into more detail about um, transplantation. Um, so look forward to announcements about that. I wanted to uh, invite in our co-host, uh, Mr. Jerome Brown and uh, Nurse Jonathan Branch. Uh, you guys, uh, did I put you to sleep? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, thanks for being here. I, I know, Jonathan, uh, as a, a cardiac nurse at Walter Reed, I'm sure you take care of kidneys also with kidney disease and kidney failure and, uh, on dialysis Well, we as well. do have, yes, we do have patients who, who do come to us with uh, kidney disease and, and with kidney failure. Yeah. Uh, like I've said before, I, I work mainly in in cardiology. I do work in the uh, in the cardiac cath lab, but we we always check uh, BUN and and creatinine, and we check uh, uh, kidney function, and that mainly um, determines how much contrast we can we can give a patient for a right. particular case. So um, that's that's one reason and. If we do have a, a, a patient in, um, you know, in 
end-stage renal disease, you know, um, we're, we're kind of limited to what, what we can do for them cardiac-wise uh, doing a, a particular procedure. So, so you mentioned so, BUN yeah. and creatinine. Those are um, right. laboratory blood tests, you know, tests yeah. that from drawing a, a blood specimen that we use to determine what an individual's kidney function is. So yeah, um, very important. So, Jerome, what's going on? What's going on, my friends? You know, just uh, hey, looking forward to what's the up, start Jay? of spring, spring training. Um, get out to the baseball park. Hey, first of all, Doc, happy birthday to you. Yeah. You know, Thank and you. congratulations Thank you. to the uh, Northwestern because you guys did make the tournament. So much respect. Ohio State didn't make it this time, but we got you next year. <laughs> Well, we're gonna get we're gonna beat Ohio State in football next year, also. I'm sure. Oh man, come on! Now, you, now you're talking crazy. <laughs> if we, I don't know if we play them. I got to look at the schedule. So, yeah. Well, so you know what? We, we have, uh, yeah. Well, well, speaking of, of the, ahead, tournament, the tournament, my uh, alma mater, Virginia Commonwealth University, did make it in, and what? we're playing us. Uh, yes, yes, VCU made it in, and we're playing. Um, St. Mary's, uh, their fifth seed at their uh, school out in California. But uh, also, since I live in the Washington, D.C. area, I have to mention that Howard University made it in. And, oh. you know, HU, you know, uh, they made it in. And they are playing Kansas City, which is, I mean, Kansas, which is uh, the number one seeded team. So, yeah, they're going to get demolished. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You never know in the tournament. You never know. You know, you never know. You never know. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we have some remarkable guests here that I'm, I'm very appreciative that, that their willingness oh, yeah. to share their, their personal stories um, and what they went through. I mean, they're they're both um, kidney transplant recipients um, and, you know, not not everybody. Um, I mean, they, they just were willing to go ahead and share for the benefit of others. So others would learn about what it is to have developed kidney disease and, and get a kidney transplant because um, there are a lot of people out there that have kidney disease or headed towards transplant and they don't know really what to expect. Um, I know the doctors and nurses at the, at the transplant centers um, do spend time educating patients, but uh, a lot of times when you go through that pre-transplant evaluation, it, you know, there's so much going on that you can't really absorb all that information and, and it's very important also for, for the families of, of these individuals to be aware of, um, you know, issues pertaining to kidney disease and kidney transplantation, the importance of um, living organ donation as well. So, yeah, let's go ahead and, and welcome our guest, uh, Mr. Ray Freeman and Mr. Levance Lining uh, to the platform. Welcome. welcome. Hey, hey, there you guys are. Hey. Welcome. Happy kidney. I always say Ray. Oh, yes, yes, you too. So Ray always puts me to shame. I mean, he's I he I always he should be on GQ magazine and uh, and and Levance. I mean, you always out cool me, you know, you, with your hat and you're you're you know you're, you're so cool that I, I I've never been able to be that cool before. I did get accepted in medical school. <laughs> you got to fit you in when you get in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what, how how are you guys doing, Levance and, and Ray? How are you guys doing this evening? I'm doing good, Doc. I want to thank uh, Jerome and Jonathan for being part of this uh, music and uh, medicine. Uh, I'm doing great. Um, it'll be sitting at 10 years, Doc, um, in December. Haven't had a problem yet. Not one wow. problem. Not one. Good for you, Ray. You're showing off, brother. I like that. I like yeah. that. That's motivation. I've seen Jonathan do it. I've seen Jonathan That's do it. That's good. <laughs> I'm easing up on eight years. I'll be eight years in April, April 5th. Wow. I got my transplant on Easter Sunday, April 5th, 2015. Watching the Cavaliers game and uh, waiting on the second test results to come back for it to be a match. And the guy from transportation came and said, hey, you ready to go? I said, go where? <laughs> he said, oh, your transplant. I'm like, oh, oh it's a match. You know, and so uh, I had to call my wife and uh, tell her that I'm going to surgery. And she rushed down and Dr. Mylan actually held the show up. To allow my wife to drive down and let her scrub up and come in the room before my transplant, you know. Um, oh, and so it was very accommodating. Um, you know, I got a chance to have my iPad and, you know, uh, interview Dr. Milden before the surgery. Uh, let my wife see the kidney, um, et cetera. So it was, it was a great experience. 
And I just encourage people that are not um, registered organ donors to become one. You know, the hardest thing for most of us to do as minorities is find a living donor, you know, um, that qualifies. You know, I try I tell people all the time, <laughs> I try to get uh, my brother, you know, I had two brothers, younger brothers. They were like, yeah, bro, I'll give you my kidney. I'm like, look, if you give me your kidney, you'd be bringing it in the crown roll bag because that's all you do is drink. <laughs> I said, if I get your kidney, I'm going to still need another kidney. <laughs> so um, just be careful, you know, especially with the influx of medical marijuana. You know, you get somebody, you get the wrong kidney, you go into rehab right after your surgery. So just be careful whose kidney you accept as a living donor. <laughs> So how, how long, Good so Levance, how, how long um, were you, what, how long before the transplant were you diagnosed or how, how many years before were you it diagnosed? Happened really, it disease? happened really quick, um, Dr. Modlin. Um, with me being, you know, I got out of the military in 1989 out of the army where I was running six miles a day, you know, in great shape, 23 years old, you know, um, and I was going to the store and the, the neon sign was blurry. And I'm like, I'm wiping my eyes. I'm like, why is this sign so blurry? And uh, that's how I became a diabetic. You know, my blood sugar was 996 when I got diagnosed. You know, normal is 80 to 120. So I lost 40 pounds in five days. I thought I had the flu. So I'm drinking these big gulp cups of tea with honey, lemon, and sugar in it. So I'm just spiking my blood sugar, thinking I'm bailing myself out of the flu. And so I went to the emergency room. I could, my mouth was stuck together. I was so dehydrated. They gave me five IV bags before I made it to the floor um, to be officially um, diagnosed as a diabetic, a type one diabetic with no diabetic education. That was my onset um, into the realm of being uh, threatened with CKD, you know, chronic kidney disease. And so, you know, time rocked on, you know, um, I was mismanaged myself because when you're 23, you feel like you're a superhero. And uh, I was in denial with all the nurses. The diabetic nurses told me, Mr. Lining, you know, you could be on Dallas by the time you're 30. I'm like, oh, 30 is a long way off. I'm only 23. I got time. I got time. And uh, guess what? Um, time rocked on. And eventually I was in kidney failure. You know, when I found out I was in stage four of kidney failure, you know, and that's really in stage, you know. Um, and so I found out in 2012. And so you think from 1989 to 2012, I mismanaged my diabetes to the point of I killed two kidneys. You know, I killed two kidneys with my mismanagement of my diabetes. You know, never had high blood pressure. You know, I was such an avid runner growing up that, you know, they always used to say my blood pressure was so low. They're like, why is your blood pressure? You should be dizzy. I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, but I was a sprinter, you know, and so never had, it, no, never had any trouble with blood pressure. But guess what? Once my diabetes went bad. It drug my blood pressure down with it. So my blood pressure was now, you know, um, you know, you're full of fluid from your kidney failure. You guys know this already. Um, my uh, blood, blood, blood pressure was 300 over 200 or 200 over 110 oh, or, you know, some crazy numbers that most people get rushed to the hospital for, you know. And so it was just it was amazing um, that my body was able to bounce back and even sustain itself and be strong enough to to be in surgery for seven and a half hours to get my transplant. You know, you think under normal cir circumstances, I was so full of fluid. I went from uh, 189 to like 265 and it was all fluid. My body wow. was retaining that much fluid wow. with my end-stage renal disease. Hey, Ray, what was your um, situation? How did you, you know, meet Doc and how, how did this come about here? My situation's a little different. Um, I had uh, started having like symptoms in 2010. So 2010, I was seeing my socks, my um, uh, my ankles would swell up. Okay. And I was, I was dehydrated all the time. I always wanted to have some fluids. And Dr. Motlin, to tell you, I'm a pro athlete. So me playing with the Denver Broncos for two and a half seasons, then coming back to Cleveland, I was active. You know, I was playing racquetball. I was playing yeah. baseball. And then I, I wasn't the same guy I was. I mean, I'm like 46 years old, and I was just not feeling up to um, up to par. So what I started doing is going to a different um, hospital here in Cleveland, and just like uh, just like he said, I thought I had the flu. I thought it was something else, and um, I went to a medic clinic, and they were like, "Oh yeah, just take this. You'll be fine." I started taking that. It made me sick. 
I started uh, um, uh, actually uh, vomiting. And the only thing I could take is oranges. Lemonade and oranges is the only thing that would settle me. And it wasn't good me drinking um, lemonade and taking all those oranges. But if I ate an orange, I wouldn't throw up. So um, my sister came home and she came by my house and I was just sluggish on the couch. She's like, you're getting up. You're going to the hospital today. And it was a Saturday. And I went down to the Cleveland Clinic and um, I sat there and uh, they took me in. They did all these tests. And then they said, are you OK? And they was asking me, questions. I'm like, yeah, I'm OK, because, you know, I'm an athlete. And when like he said, he was out of the military, 23. I'm out of the National Football League. I mean, I didn't play with three, four hundred pound um, linemen. That stuff don't stop me. And, you know, yeah. I'm strong. I'm still lifting weights. But when they sat down there and told me um, my kidney was only functioning at like 17 percent, it blew my mind to be that young, 46 year old man, your kidney function at 17. And this is before Dr. Mollen. They was like, you know, you're going to have to have um, a kidney transplant or you're going to be on Dallas the rest of your life. And I was like, I'm not going to be on Dallas the rest of my life. <laughs> Um, some of uh, Dr. Mollen's old uh, actual employees, along with a good friend of mine, Mayor Brad Sellers, they said, you need to go see Dr. Mollen. He's this, he's that. So um, I had an actual uh, surgeon that they already lined up, but I wanted a black, I wanted a brother. So I wanted a brother to work with me. No offense any good kidney transplant dollar, doctor, but I, I wanted, a, um, I wanted a, um, a brother of my kind to work on me. I met Dr. Mollen. We hit it off from day one. He's been my friend. We did well over five or six documentaries. We did everything, um, kidney walks. Um, yeah. He's really became my friend. He's my go-to. And now I'm the spokesman in Northeast Ohio. I talk to people. I didn't um, actually seen 10 of my friends while I was going through the kidney transplant die. So I had to go see their families and deal oh, with wow. that. But I've actually talked to over 40 um, uh, guys and girls that were need of a transplant, got a, a transplant. Dr. Motlin has talked about 10 of them. And um, I think I'm just the ambassador and spokesperson for that person because, hey, you know, I had a little notoriety. I'm going to take that notoriety and people like me. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you what you don't do and what you should do. So I'm hard on them. I mean, the 30 I deal with, I'm hard on them. They call me Mr. Freeman. They go over in their actual, um, in their weight. They drink too much during their dialysis, all that. I get on them, so. They're drinking pops. So don't drink none of that stuff. So, you know, Dr. Mollen knows I, I read every um, I read every actual ingredients on whatever I eat and whatever it is, what's in it. I don't do sugar. I don't do salt. I don't do none of that stuff. I mean, I'm I'm very militant. Like <laughs> if I was I don't take too much stuff in my body. So. Right. So. Right. And, and that's why your kidney has survived for so long. Both yeah. of you guys have taken care of the right. kidney. You know, when you when you get a, a kidney transplant, uh, the audience may know you have to take anti-rejection medication. Otherwise, the kidney will reject because it's from, uh, you know, uh, an, another foreign body <laughs> recognize that as foreign tissue. Yeah. Now, is that for and, the rest so, of Ray, your you life? So, Ray, you got a, a living donor. It's for the rest Correct. of your life. Yeah. Correct. Uh, yeah. So, Ray got a living donor. Um, and again, you look at African-Americans, we, we, we're less likely to be able to identify a living donor in many right. situations because our, our friends, our loved ones who would yeah, otherwise be willing to donate, they themselves a lot of times have diabetes or high blood pressure. So anybody who wishes to donate has to undergo a very rigorous um, eva medical evaluation to make sure that they can safely donate, that if they donate, they themselves are not going to go into kidney failure. You know, most individuals have two kidneys, and we know um, that it's safe to give one kidney, but you have to go through a, a thorough evaluation in order to do so. You guys touched on a, a lot of stuff that's very important. You know, the, the number one sign or symptom of an individual who has early kidney disease is that there are no signs or symptoms in most situations. Um, really? In, in later, yeah, really, yeah, no, no signs or symptoms underscores why, and Jonathan knows this as a nurse, you have to go under undergo routine preventative health screenings for your blood pressure to check your, your diabetes, your cholesterol. I mean, there are some, there are rare instances where individuals will have hereditary um, kidney disease, polycystic kidney, things like that. Um, but in most situations in blacks, it's, it's high blood pressure, diabetes. And we need to educate our families and, and friends about the importance of living donation. Like I said, African-Americans are less likely to identify a living donor we wait two to four times, five times longer in the kidney transplant waiting list. 
um, who the, the individuals on the list who get transplanted, it, it, there, there are a lot of variables who determine, you know, where you are on your waiting on the waiting list. It depends on the, the, uh, the, the match between the prospective donor and the recipient. Um, so your, your place on the list varies, you know, all the time, but it also depends on your blood type and how many antibodies uh, yep. that you I'm have against the prospective donor. Yep. Yeah. So there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, one thing I always say, if somebody is waiting for a kidney transplant, if they're on dialysis or even if they're not on dialysis, uh, if possible, unless it's a medical situation, emergency, try to avoid getting, try to avoid getting any blood transfusions because getting blood transfusions from, you know, exogenous donors will increase your antibody levels against prospective donors. So there, there's a lot that goes into it. We're going to have another special show on this as well. But you, uh, Ray was talking yeah. about the, the swelling of the ankles, um, nausea and vomiting. Um, you know, Levance was talking about that you were urinating more frequently. Some people will urinate more frequently. It's a more dilute, dilute urine. Some people will have a decreased frequency of urination as yeah. your kidneys yeah. start to shut down. So, right. Um, and again, guess what, Doc? yes, yes. Um, real quick, my uh donor uh was a cadaver, um, oh. and I had to, of course, accept the organ. They gave me some history on her. She was a 24 year old female, um, that died in Indiana from a heroin overdose, oh. and uh, yeah. she had uh, hep C, and also had hep C from one tattoo. Guys, one tattoo. Imagine that I got one tattoo in Atlanta on a dare at lunchtime at work and got hepatitis C. But I never got any interferon treatment for it and I never drank. And so my liver was fine. And so that enabled me to take that kidney from that female that died from that opioid overdose, take the medicine that they came up with in the interim. God knew what he was doing. He had me wait just enough time so they could cure my hep C with medicine right after my transplant. So I'm like, sure, give me that hep C kidney because I already got hep C, you know? So let's go, give me that kidney and let's knock out this hep C and cure it, you know, um, not only in my existing kidneys, but with my new kidney, you know? And so it was great, you know, only only issue I had guys because it was a female and she was 24, I was 48 when I got my transplant. Um, every now and then guys, she wanted to turn up on me. so. I, my wife went to get her eyelashes done. When she got there, I was already there getting mine done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laying back in the chair like, yeah, make them real long. Uh, I don't know how I get here. Uh, I want to get my nails done next. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so be careful who your donor is because it backfired hey. on me. I got Every a butterfly then, tattoo on my I back. Every now and then he do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hold up, I, got a, I got a butterfly on my back. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> right. I ain't hear it either. He said he got a back tattoo. I heard <laughs> he got a back, got a back lower back. Tattoo. Lower Not back. even my shoulders. <laughs> but, but one thing Dr. Motlin touched on, and it, it affected me, and Dr. Motlin um, actually gave me the toolage and the knowledge of this, and it's your antigens. Once you go on the kidney, whatever list you go on, you got to look for a match in your donor. Um Cadaver is not the best, and I know uh, LeVance went through that way. I had a living donor, but you got to look at matches. You got to look, okay, if I had chicken pox at a certain time, did my actual uh, donor have chicken pox? Did I have these type of antigens? Do they match my antigens? Do they match my blood type? I was a B positive. My donor was a B positive, but it's mm -hmm. a lot of things that go into it, but we just got to wake up um, the actual um, African-American population about it. And Dr. Mullen's doing a great job. I've probably been to 17 of his men's minor minority um, events, and they're the best events. And it, it just opens up the mind of us to know, like, okay, what I'm going to do. Because like you all said in the past, guys before 1950 or 1954, they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to just die. I just, oh, I got, I need a kidney. Right. It's going to be the right. same, you know. Now we have modern technology. You have great surgeons like Dr. Motlin that can do it possibly in his sleep, but he did a great job with me. He filmed it. He filmed the Vance and it just walked me through it. I wasn't nervous, wasn't scared. None of that stuff. I was like, let's was get ready. Yeah, let's go. It was like a football. So I'll tell you what. It was like a football. He didn't put it in backwards. No, nah, <laughs> I haven't had one problem. I haven't been in the hospital in nine years. 
Oh, that sounds great. Beautiful. Knock on wood. That's outstanding. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's outstanding. And you know, and Dr. Jonathan, Jonathan yeah. yeah, Jonathan and, and and Jerome, I can't tell you what it means to me to have two of my right. recipients and, and right. the confidence that they showed, it's you know, amazing. showed in me and, and I mean, all of these years, um, I mean, they've taken care of the kidney, you know, very responsibly. They've reached out to others, um, trying to educate others about the importance of, yep. you know, how to get a kidney transplant, how to take care of that transplant. Because, again, not everybody takes care of these these organs. There's not enough to, to go around. Right. So exactly. I can't thank these two these two guys enough for the confidence that you placed in me. And, and I'm really humbled and, and, and honored. I mean, seriously. And guess what, guys, job. real quick, I, how I met Dr. Job. Modlin. I saw him on TV on a commercial for the Minority Men's Health Fair, called his office, set up an appointment to meet him as a urologist so I could beg him to be my transplant surgeon. <laughs> I, said, look, I said, same thing as Ray. I'm like, look, I want an African-American working on me because, you know, it ain't personal. It's just business. I want a black man working on my black kidney. You know, um, right. I, didn't get a, I didn't get a black kidney, but it's be positive. I'll be positive too, Ray. Um, my kidney was be positive. And, uh, but I just wanted a brother, you know, and, you know, our, our first appointment, we talked for uh, 90 minutes. And of course he did the prostate thing on me. And, um, but I was good there. And so we worked, we went to work on the kidney after that. And two years later, after I met him, I got my transplant. And guess what? My kidney is from the same state that Dr. Mountain is from. Wow. Indiana. Wow. Wow. All right. Wow. All right. You know, the thing is, you touched on something very important. Um, you know, the race of the donor doesn't really matter. So, I mean, you know, you can we can, you know, transplant African American kidneys into whites and, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but actually, if yeah, if we can get more African American donors, then there will be a better match um, with that African African American recipient. Um, so, yeah, we definitely we desperately need to even start educating these young people uh, about the importance of signing their organ donor card. Obviously we don't want anything to happen them happen to them, obviously. Um, but they say, you know, don't pass away and take your organs to heaven. Heaven knows we need them here. Right. Um, yeah. And you, you well, you know, examples. Dr. Marlin. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dr. Marlin. No, go ahead. What was that? No, I was saying we need to move to um, the opt out of being a posthumous donor like Europe, as opposed to us automatically being declined by default, you know, that, right. that would clear a lot of that up because, you know, um, had a situation um, pretty close to, to my family where the person wanted to be an organ tissue donor and he died suddenly um, of a heart attack. And the family was like, Nope, I don't want that, you know, get out of the room. Mm -hmm. You know, when the harvesting organization came there to get the organ and the tissue, they were like, Nope, don't touch my husband, you know? Mm. So what do you yeah. do? You know, everybody should be yeah. Yeah. an implied donor until you opt out, you know? Um, and, and, and some states, person... some states are going, you know, some states are going to that. Good. And good. I, I want to give a shout out. Good. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Life Bank of Ohio. They are the organ procurement organization in Northeast Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, the CEO, Mr. Gordon Bowen is, is a, a good friend of mine. They do outstanding work over at Life Bank. They, they communicate very well with the donor families. Um, um, the recipients of deceased donors to be able to meet, you know, the, the donor families uh, depends on, you know, the wishes of the donor family. But in many situations, right, there right. have been reunions where those individuals, the donor families will see that their loved one still lives on, um, you know, in, sure, as a right, transplant right. in the bodies of the transplant recipient. Uh, um, Russell, um, do we have that video, that no donors video? Because Levance talked about um, willingness for individuals to sign up on the organ donor registry. Do we have that video that we can play? It's a, it's a two minute video. Okay. And this is just a, a animated depiction as to why many African-Americans are reluctant to um, register to be organ donors. Yeah, our community. Yeah, we don't really just, see it going. Yeah, our, our community is just scared of any type of health uh, getting cut on. Uh, you know, we. My uncle died. He he needed a heart procedure, but he didn't want to get cut on, so he just opted to die. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so uh, so yeah. many of our peoples are like that. No, nah, uh, don't do no surgery on me. It's just a hangnail. Uh-uh, I don't want no surgery. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. We have to get over that because we are killing ourselves uh, and knocking off 10, 15, 20 years off of our lifespans uh, because of this type of phobia that we have amongst our peoples. And it, exactly it just comes right. from tra- traditions passed down some, yeah. and not trusting and, science, not right. trusting people. It's a distrust type of situation. Yeah. And some of that's cultural. And exactly. 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 It, it is. is. So, yeah. It is. Congratulations, Mr. Smith. You've passed your driver's test. Would you like to register as an organ donor? Mr. Smith? Mr. Smith? (laughs) They promised they'd give him the heart transplant. The heart attack came early. They said there was nothing that they could do. So the doctors let dad die? Mom, I'm scared of dying. Sometimes, I think the doctors let dad die. Honey, the doctors did all they could do. Your uncle needs a lung transplant. Will the doctors make sure he gets one? He's on the waiting list, no guarantee. We're losing him. We're losing him. Call the death. (coughs) Mr. Smith? Mr. Smith, would you like to register as an organ donor? Nah, I'm good. So like you were saying, Jerome, there's a lot of distrust. A lot of people out there think that if you sign that organ donor registry card, and if the doctors and nurses know that if you're an organ donor, they're going to let you die if you're in the ER or ICU so they can use that organ for somebody else. That, that doesn't happen. The, the process whereby uh, organ or prospective organ donors or identified uh, you know, deceased donors, that is completely separated. There's an organ procurement organization that manages those patients. It's completely independent of the transplanting surgeon. So uh, there's no conflict of interest there. I mean, nor, nor would there be. But again, that's a perception. I, I think that perception is more um, rampant or more prevalent in the black community. Oh, yeah. You think about the shot. You think about, you know, the, the vaccine. You know, people were yeah. citing Tuskegee when they had no idea where Tuskegee is, know how to spell it. You know, <laughs> exactly. it's, like, right. it's like they withheld exactly. the medicine in Tuskegee. We're trying to give you medicine, <laughs> you know. In the exactly. <laughs> yeah, but Jerome is correct on that. I mean, I get pushed back, and those 30 patients I've helped, and maybe 15 have acquired a transplant, they're scared of it. They don't want to do a transplant. Like, no, they're gonna take it. They have this, uh, yeah. they have this mystery, this African American mystery. Oh, they want to kill us, they're gonna take our organs. Well, if you die, you got to do some good with it. I mean, you got to leave something for somebody else to enjoy life. And why would you not give them if you can and you have a, a good living don- donor and you still have body parts? I mean, they they, they have a misconception yeah. of it. So, yeah, right. like, you, like you're going to need tell you what, Ray, in heaven. You know, like you're going to need it in heaven. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. And just in case Ray, I come back. More than- just, just in case I come back. Right. I need that. I might need that. Well, Ray, and, need that. And, and, and like I say, Ray, you've helped more, countless more than 30 people. You, do, you don't really know all of the people's lives that you've touched. Those 30 people, they've went on and they've educated other people. So, no, I mean, oh, that's true. you know, you guys yes, uh, need to have your yeah. white coats. Uh, you, you know, you need your official white coats as healthcare provider. A healthcare provider doesn't have to be a doctor or nurse. It's somebody such as yourself, um, the both of you who educate people about important, you know, medical and, and health related issues. 
Um, Levance, uh, as I understand, you do you have some video that you wanted to show us? Um, I believe I sent in some video, um, you know, uh, to share. You know, I, I'm doing TikTok, though I feel like, you know, TikTok is relative to the person because at 56, I feel like my time is running out sometimes. <laughs> so TikTok is very valid in my life sometimes, especially after being on a ventilator for eight days and in a hospital for 27 with COVID pneumonia, even though I was vaccinated and boosted, you know, um, I still got it. But um, nothing makes you appreciate life more than the taste of a ventilator for eight days. So, yeah, I, I did send in some video and hopefully it plays. But, I, you know, I try to be funny in conversation so we don't have to depend on video. But roll it if you got it. Yeah, they got, they got white dresses, white hats, white stockings, white shoes, everything except medical knowledge, right? document that for you and man that's crazy I, I can't believe it was me you know it happened so quick um I, I think it was a divine intervention you know for me to even see you on tv you know and just be attracted to your blackness first of all you know as a physician 
And, you know, I have a cousin that's a physician in Houston, and me and him both, uh, he's three years older than me. We both said we were teenagers. I want to be a comedian. Oh, me too. I'm going to be Eddie Murphy. Me too. He went to Houston and became a doctor. I, I kept. I became a comedian. <laughs> I'm like, when did the, I said, when did the outlook change? You didn't update me on what you were going to do with your life. <laughs> so um, he's a physician now, but, um, you know, and only was the 2% of physicians are black men, you know? And so my wife, shout out to my wife that was there, um, Tina Lining, who is the uh, senior director of diversity, equity, and inclusive excellence at the Case West Reserve School of Medicine, you know, so she gets a chance to impact lives of not only um, leaders, at the School of Medicine, but also faculty and students, you know? Um, and so, it, you know, my life has come full circle. You know, um, my wife is from East Cleveland, Ohio, you know, went to case, graduated from case, you know, I went to prison and caught a case. And so everything is great, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah, and you're, and you're in DC, um, uh, Brother Branch. I'm sure you've heard yeah. of Paul Berry on the news yeah. there. That's my wife's uncle. He was just here visiting oh, really? us two weeks ago. Yep. Yeah. Paul Berry is yeah. my wife's uncle and um, cool guy. He came down and, you know, um, stayed four or five days with us. So okay, just a lot of uh, black history um, in my family. And I'm the first transplant recipient out of my family that I know of. You know, I just sent off for Ancestry DNA kit, not only to find my family, but in case I need another kidney, at least I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sneaky. It's like, yeah, hey, put you on the D, you match, you match DNA-wise, you know, let's, 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 do, the, let's do the whole workup, you know? So, yeah, yeah so I, I thank God for that. And I'm as happy for Ray as I am for myself, you know, um, because not many people get the gift and, 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 and talk about it. So many people yeah. are so private, you know, so worried about people judging them Correct. You know, for the transplant, it's like, how could that be negative? How could that be something that demarginalizes you or stigmatizes you when you got a kidney, you're still alive and you're helping other people realize that it's available for them, too? You know, yeah. now I got a question for the both of you. Uh, first, Ray, uh, same question, gentlemen. What do you appreciate more now that you have the kidney uh, than you didn't appreciate prior to having a healthy kidney? Go ahead, Ray. For me, um, I didn't tell you guys, but I'm a, and Dr. Motlin knows this, I'm in charge of a national urban uh, uh, school board, public school board members, and they affect children every day. So from this surgery, I have went to different levels. I would have never thought I would have been on a national stage for exactly. 60,000 school board members and eight, 9,000 people listening to what I got to say. So if you get that attention of people and they're speaking, they're like, oh, he was a kidney transplant. It moves that crowd. It moves that conversation when I walk off that stage. So I um, I can touch children going through this. And I've seen uh, children pass away with the same um, kidney that me and LeVance went through. So what for me is God gave me another chance to help people. I always help people, but right. I'm helping them at a higher level than I could ever do ever in my life. So. You become an advocate. Very good. Yeah, very much so. And that's Happy beautiful, young. man. You know, because not just the kids, people your age that are strong, NFL, athletes, that would not ever think about, you know, a kidney. You're making them open their eyes like, man, my boy Ray, you know, he went through it. I maybe, you know, need to do something too. So I like that, man. And now, okay, LeVance, what was your uh, life changing moment? You get that kidney and go to the NFL, right? <laughs> you get it early enough. <laughs> Pass that physical. <laughs> that screw ain't what it looked like. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I would say for me, like Ray, you know, um, I, I didn't get a chance to, to talk about it. Most people wouldn't talk about it at this point in our in our session is that I, I am also in recovery. I'm from drug addiction. I'm 17 years recovered from a love oh, affair with cocaine. You. you know, good for you, man. And, um, and so thank you. Um, all glory to God. And guess what? Today yeah. I get to go into prisons, treatment centers, schools, colleges, etc., and yeah. tell people that it's nothing special about me. I only had to change one thing. Everything. That's all I had to do. You know, and so I, I include my kidney transplant. I let people know that your life a lot of times is in your hands. You know, your choices you make are your choices. Some choices can be reversed through time you know, and changing your behavior, you know? So I had to change my behavior once I got my kidney. 
like Ray, I don't do salt, sugar. Um, you know, I, I, I don't do anything as much as I love pomegranate and red grapefruit. I haven't had it in eight years. Those are my restrictions oh, wow. you know, for my transplant. But guess wow. what? I'll trade that all day for my 1.01 creatinine that I have um, for my blood work last Very good. week. You know, so um, it's perfect. I'm happy to be here and happy to be a service to those that doubt that somebody wants to kill you and take your kidney and sell it off to somebody in China or something, you know. And like you say, Dr. Molly, I I think you should talk about the people that go offshore and get these bad transplant surgeries that come stumbling back to Cleveland Clinic when they have their kidney in their hand and the other part in their body. Like, oh, help, help. (laughs) Yeah. We've seen that before, actually. Yeah, you're, you're, that, that, that's a true, a, a true situation. Yeah. yeah um, and yeah. we obviously discourage that. Yeah, it's not a good look. <laughs> and, and Doc, I want to give you, I want to commend you because these two gentlemen are here today, uh, large in part uh, from your work. Uh, so yeah. that, that's God's work right there because they've been given 5, 10, 15 years of extra life, extra love, you know, everything they do for the peoples in each of their circles. So that's affecting a lot of people with just these two gentlemen right here. You know, so, you know, you guys are something else. And I have to thank God and, and, and I'm only in the position I am. My dad taught me this years ago and and I, I fully understand I'm only in this position because of people who came before me made sacrifices and gave me opportunities they never had. And, and again, when it comes to kidney transplantation, there's a whole team involved, the anesthesiologist, the scrub nurse, the circulating nurse, right. the floor nurses. Shout out and, to the staff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the staff, immunologist. Just as important, man. Just as important. Guess what? Yeah. You know who people never mention is the housekeeping. They keep yeah. the room clean. Not only the surgical room, but the bedroom that me and Ray had to lay in and make sure we didn't get no infection. For sure. From our, from yeah. our kidneys. That's- a good friend of mine who was a comedian as well, just passed away from his transplant because he got an infection and didn't survive, you know? Uh, so, yeah. um, you know, it, it's, it, it's real, you know, but everybody, it takes more than the surgeon to be successful in a transplant situation. But thank God, Dr. Marlin paid attention in school <laughs> <laughs> and passed his clinicals <laughs> and didn't, call, didn't phone it in. <laughs> <laughs> you say, oh, yeah, I know this. Yeah, I got right. it. Yeah, I read that last week. Well, I'll tell you good. what. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I would never make it as a comedian or a professional athlete. Um, so, again. Uh, or, a mean, my, or, or a singer. Or a singer. <laughs> or a singer. See, Jerome and Jonathan know that I've he tried to. Uh, he can play a horn. <laughs> well, a little bit, you know. I used yeah. to be good at the trumpet. But John, Jonathan and, and Jerome know that I've tried to, you know, tell a few jokes here and there on, on, on music and medicine and haven't gone over too well, but uh, really, <laughs> he'd be trying to rap and everything, Levance. He'd be trying oh. to rap. He'd be like, all right. <laughs> That's why y'all the co-host is a payoff to keep quiet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you hey. guys sit with me as long as you keep a secret. <laughs> right. Hey, he passed through cash oh. app. Ain't that something? <laughs> so, so Levance, um, where, where can people see your your comedy shows? How how can you they access um, your, your look up? Look me up on uh, TikTok. I think it's Levance Laughs 216. Um, I'm on Facebook, Levance Lining, Instagram. Um, I think TikTok is Levance Sees You or something like that. But just look up L-A-V-A-N-C-E. You may run into my son, Levance Jr., who's a civil engineer, but also a great artist, um, a, a great painter. Um, he's all over Instagram. Talented kid, never took an art class. And can, check, and, and can paint. And guess what? And can dunk. You know, he's the only lining ever to touch a rim that wasn't putting it up on a ladder to, <laughs> to, to drill it in. You know what I'm saying? So um, the next generation is always supposed to do better than the previous. So um, I, I'm happy at least one lining has dunked the basketball um, in life. I was like Ray. I was a football player and uh, I was fast, but my high school didn't have a uh, football team. I went to film school arts. You know, so it was all about acting and, you know, dancing, et cetera. And I tried to go play for Cleveland Heights, but they wouldn't give me a transfer. But I would have been a wide receiver and a running back. I was like, um, uh, and put you in mind of um, uh, Metcalf, Eric Metcalf. I had that kind of speed, that kind of quickness, you know. But thank God I didn't do it because um, my body couldn't handle it. (laughs) 
I got small bones. You'd have been fine. You'd have been fine, man. You'd have been fine. I've been running. I've been running. Yeah. Hey, Ray, were you part of the so, Ray, you did the fumble game? Yes, I was. Oh, Lord. Uh, I wasn't going to out him. I knew that. I didn't want to out him. I shouldn't have answered that. I should you not have told him the pass. Yeah. On the two yard Which line. game was it? I'm sorry. It's yeah. the AFC fumble. Yeah. AFC champ Browns and Denver uh, Broncos. Oh, okay. Celebrated okay. too early. Keep your arms on the ball. <laughs> hey, things happen in life. So <laughs> well, I appreciate the man, the man, the, the, the manhood of coming back to Cleveland as an ex uh, Denver Bronco. <laughs> yeah. So that's when the, hey, uh, Jerome, the Broncos Jerome. beat the Browns. Correct. Yep. That's correct. They would have went to. So oh, not only that, Jerome. Oh, that's too bad. Oh yes. Lord. Yeah. Pull a oh, plug, well, okay. Doc. That's, pull a plug. That's too pull bad. Pull a plug. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Hey, I'm gonna send you some gear. <laughs> Russ, help yeah, but me, Jerome, somebody, not on, not only that, but but Ray works with Brad Sellers, who was on the team when Michael Jordan beat the Cavs. Oh, yeah. Lord, have yep. Yep. I know, I know Mayor Brad. Yep. Oh Lord, yeah. this is getting That's worse funny. by the second. That's funny. <laughs> Come on, Jerome. <laughs> this is getting worse by the second. Hey, go Cavs! That's all I can say right now. Hey, I'm saying go Cavs. And go Northwestern. <laughs> go Howard. You. You know. So, so Ray, how how can we and the listening audience support your your efforts with the your 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 national school board uh, initiatives? Um, I I um I'll put it on the podcast, and Russell can put it on there. Just how they can get a hold of me on the national front, and even on the local front. You know, I work with probably ten different uh, public uh, schools here in uh, Cleveland, Cleveland Heights, uh, um, Bedford, Maple. uh, other Garfield. So I, I deal with them, but my main purpose is to get, get out the information, the information. And someone said it, you know, you got to meet them where they are. I mean, you got to yeah. meet these kids where they are. You can't try to teach them or do this. Like if a, ch- a child can do it at home, sometimes we have to open up that avenue of zoom. So um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give it to Russell to put it on there next time. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. And thank you for that, Ray. It, yeah. it means a lot for, for people to see, People look like them in leadership, especially in education. Okay. You know, um, it's not it's not a lot of that going on, you know, and, and the same thing, you know, you think about anything, um, a real um, personalized grassroots delivery speaks volumes more than a clinical type of setting of somebody coming in and saying, don't use drugs. Drugs can hurt you. It's like, no, tell somebody, hey, I used to be a drug addict, you know. And so people listen to me, prisoners listen to me. And the best thing about speaking in prison, y'all, is I get to leave when I'm done. How about that? So <laughs> um, it's good. But guess what? People's right. life, I see I see men that haven't laughed in 5, 10, 20 years sometimes cracking up with tears running out of their eyes um, because of my gift. I don't, you know, I don't take it lightly. I know that my willingness to go. God's going to give me what to say to, to touch those men's hearts, you know, and, and that's what it's about. Let them know I see you, I understand you. And guess what? There's still hope, you know, as long as you still got life in your body, there's still hope when you get out of prison to turn your life around, you know, and, and you can do it, you know. And so same thing with the school system. You know, kids have to know that I can be a Ray Freeman. I can be a Charles Motlin. I can be Jerome Brown. I can be Jonathan Branch, you know. It's, it's, it's available. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, our, our man behind the scenes, Russell Johnson, you know, our producer, you know, the Russ, man with the, plan. Russ, the, man, with the, the man with the, the links. <laughs> Good editing on the, the video. Too, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate oh, yeah. it. Yeah. So, so, like I said, like I, said I, per- I predict Northwestern is going to win the NCAA this year. <laughs> So you can put your, you know, you can bet. I'm not saying go bet money, but you can place your bets on it. I'm about to tell you, you um, can stop right now. You're starting to talk a little bit too much, Doc, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do y'all think about uh, they got billionaires encouraging us to, to go um, gamble? You know, Jamie Foxx, um, yeah. all of these mega Kevin millionaires Hart, yeah. telling you to go vote like your life is going to be like their life. You know, well, they already got oh, yeah, Jamie Foxx, sure, sure, I'll go bet my money. <laughs> Yeah, right, right, right. he got that check. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ohio. Yeah. Up. I mean, it's yeah. tearing our state up. It's tearing Ohio up. I it think. is. 
We yes. already had an issue. People were going to West Virginia. Now they can just go downtown. You imagine how many 401ks have been cashed in early. Well, I guess you're not going yeah. on the college. You're going to you go right on the phone, man. Right on, right on the phone. Yeah. 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 Second highest. Second highest. And you know, also. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, looks like uh, we're, looks like we're up on time for this program. So I just wanted to thank, you know, LeVance and, and Ray for joining us and, you know, Jonathan and Jerome uh, for co-hosting. Um, you know, thanks for the listening audience. Um, you know, this, there'll be a rebroadcast of this program. Uh, we encourage you, everybody to share the link um, um, to the program. A lot was uh, talked about this evening about kidney disease, chronic kidney oh, yeah. failure and stage renal disease kidney transplantation, things that you need to know. And again, we appreciate your testimonials, uh, LeVance and, and Ray, and we look forward to working with you in, in the future as well. Um, but with that, you know, being said, um, you know, we're all going to come out and, and watch you perform, LeVance, uh, on stage, your, your comedy. <laughs> so I will let you know. I'll give you an update. By the time this airs, I have something local. Okay. Okay. Local or local. Okay, well, thanks for being here. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. And Peace, thanks, guys. Okay. Everybody on the other Peace. Thanks. <laughs>